0: Happy Monday. Good to have you. We got a lot to do today. I do just want to start out here, though. You know, I find myself around this time of year. I mean, we are, what, two weeks from Christmas. And I am either one of two poles. I am either completely immersed in the Christmas spirit. I mean, I am jamming Christmas music, the whole deal, right? Or I'm like so behind the eight ball can't get things rolling and i find myself to be the latter i just can't get moving i can i can't get motivated to get the gifts i need i can't get motivated to go to the stores i need to go to i'm just i'm just stuck in neutral and spinning these tires it's a it's a <laughs> quiet place to be in uh, around this time of year plus brian did you know michigan ranks 3rd in the nation with christmas trees sold From each state. Really? Michigan third in the nation. Wow. According to the American Christmas Tree Association, despite consumers expressing concern about inflation, still the majority of people who celebrate Christmas will display real Christmas trees in their home. Wow. There are more than 560 Christmas tree farms in the state of Michigan. Well, that doesn't surprise me. 37,000 acres across the state. Uh. Not this past weekend, but the weekend before, we took the kids out to go cut down a Christmas tree from one of the U-Cut places. Mm-hmm. We went to five, five different U-Cut farms, and we couldn't find a tree. Now, they had trees there. Okay, I was
1: going to say, did they no, did no, they, they had cut
0: them. down? Or <laughs> they had. Them. But they were either too short. They mm-hmm. weren't very full. We called this one place. We said, do you have, like... Eight foot trees because every place we had been going to, like we only have like four foot, five foot trees. Like it's not a great year for us. So we called this one place and said, "Oh yeah, we've got trees up to twelve feet, eighteen feet." And we're like, "Okay, let's go there." Except they were little pencil trees. Like they they they, oh. were, they weren't full. They weren't. <laughs> so we're like, "Well, this isn't gonna work either." So we ended up just putting up the fake trees. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say just go buy a fake tree. Yeah, we, yeah. but yeah, we're 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 generally a a um. A real Christmas tree family? You like to buy, it's just uh, the smell, You water, it's just something we've always done. Like, growing up, uh, we had real Christmas trees.
1: Well, we did too, but I always hated them. You're walking around, the needles are sticking in your feet now when you're walking through the living room. You you know, I felt
0: like I had that problem more as a kid than I do now. I don't feel like the needles fall off like they used to. Okay, maybe. I mean,
1: I just, it's one of those, like, I, we don't even put up a tree unless the grandkids are coming. Like, so this year, there's no tree up. What? Yeah, Bev said, we got to put up a tree. And I went, why? It's you and me. I'm working both days of Christmas, so it feels like I'm hauling out a tree to put up to give myself a job to do after Christmas to take the tree down and put it back I away. I mean, okay. I'll just save a step. Does Bev want the tree up? No, she doesn't care. Oh, well, okay. If if the grandkids are coming, yeah. decorations up the whole nine years. Yeah, but okay. if it's just her and me, it Nothing. seems like I'm just making work for myself in the
0: future. I mean, it's fair. Yeah, yeah future Brian will curse your name. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> We took the kids when we went out to find a tree. They were it was a mess. It was nobody wanted to be outside. It was raining. It was awful, <laughs> and they're just like, well, we don't, "What are we doing? Why are we here? What are we? What, what's the point of this?" And I'm like, "I don't really know. I, I don't have well, any answers
1: for you." That to me is what Christ, Christmas is about—the kids. No,
0: there's no yeah. doubt. And so, but, that to but, but is, they're like, but "We're you're going right.
1: to another farm," and I'm like, "Hmm." <laughs> Mom doesn't like these trees. Yell at mom.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was with her. Yeah, I I was right with her. No, now yeah, my wife, if she could put a ten foot, twelve foot, eighteen foot tree up in our house, she would. Wow. But she's a, she's an animal. Yeah. She's a she's a freak. But, um, yeah, no, I'm good. Like ten foot tree, eight foot tree, all good, all fine. But yeah, we can't we can't get any bigger. But she would she would fold it up in half, and if 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 that was possible. But, yeah, Christmas tree, it takes 11 years to grow a 7-foot Christmas tree. Wow. So it's kind of cyclical for these tree farms. Yeah. Especially if you 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 know you have maybe a handful of, of types of pine trees, Christmas trees, whatever, then it's, it's, it's really cyclical. We were talking to one of the people out there, and they said, this is a down year for us. Next couple of years, it'll be good. Next couple of years, we'll, we'll, we'll have great trees. But right now, we're just in a lull.
1: And if it's nice weather, you went out one on a rainy day, but if it's nice weather, you can go out and be fun to hear Jake take the saw or the hatchet and let him do a little bit of it. And then he's excited. And then the trip
0: to the ER. (laughs) It's just great. The most wonderful time of the year. Look, he's got nine fingers left. Right. It's all good. Yeah. What does he (laughs) need all ten? Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) All right. uh, Lots to do. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu saying that the Israel Hamas conflict is reaching, quote, the beginning of the end and is calling on Hamas soldiers to surrender. Netanyahu says the war remains in full swing, but soldiers by the dozens that fight for Hamas are turning themselves into Israeli troops. But the IDF continues to remain focused on finding the leader of Hamas, uh, Yahya Sinwar. So they will continue to look for him. They believe he's in the southern part of the Gaza Strip. Meanwhile, clashes between the IDF and Hamas are intensifying in Gaza. On Sunday, Israeli forces say they hit more than 250 targets in the span of 24 hours. Uh, Pretty unbelievable when uh, Benjamin Netanyahu says this thing still is uh, in full swing. Also, heads of the Oakland County GOP, the Macomb County GOP, are calling for the chair of the Michigan GOP, Christina Caramo, to be removed just 11 months Before the presidential election. We'll talk about that coming up at 2.18. But last week we learned Russia had rejected another significant offer. To gain the release of two Americans. Namely, Novice Paul Whelan. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne says Paul Whelan was speaking uh, in, in a statement. Is now speaking out about his displeasure with the U.S. government and their handlings. Of this case. Good afternoon, Marie.
2: Hi, Chris. Yeah, this is the first time we've heard anything like this, and the statement can only be characterized as blistering. He partially targets the uh, Biden administration. Here's one of the things that he said For nearly five years, I've been told that my release was a priority. I was told that everyone was doing everything they could to secure my release. In my mind, that has not been done at all. I've been promised that the United States is coming for me. I hope that it happens before it's too late. President Biden, I've paid a high price for being an American citizen. A promise is a promise. The clock is ticking on getting this done. Please bring me home. So after the latest failed attempt to get Whelan home that you mentioned, Chris, last week, the White House says that a day does not go by that the president's team is not working to get Whelan and Evan Gershkovich of The Wall Street Journal out of Russia. Whelan is 53. He's serving a 16-year prison sentence after a conviction on what he and U.S. officials have long described as bogus espionage charges. Twice he has been left behind in prisoner swaps. It was a year ago. You'll remember that Russia and the U.S. had a prisoner exchange, and that one brought home WNBA star Brittany Griner. Paul's brother put it this way. Another year that Paul's been having to wait for the U.S. government to, to go beyond words. Top priority, substantial proposal. What do they mean anymore? If Paul's case was truly a top priority, you would think the White House would be moving mountains to secure his freedom. So now we are really hearing complaints about his treatment.
0: It is one of the more amazing things, I feel like, of of the years that we've been talking to David, his twin brother. Yeah. His sister, the family, their parents, their elderly parents—they have remained incredibly positive throughout all of this. And I always ask David, maybe every other interview I do with him, or every third interview, I say, "How do you do this? How do you maintain this level of optimism, of positivity, that that Paul's going to be released at some point, and he's going to be able to come home and see your parents before?" You know, look, father time is is undefeated, so the parents are, are elderly. They, he wants to see them before they pass. How do you remain that opt, uh, optimistic? And he just says, well, what are we supposed to do? And for Paul's perspective, it's got to be incredibly frustrating when you hear the same stuff over and over. It's a It's a priority. We're working on it. We're going to do everything we can, and yet he's still there being attacked in prison just a couple of weeks ago.
2: Yeah, he was and um he's okay now but that was a scary uh thing that happened to him in prison being attacked by another uh inmate and and it's and it is a work prison so i mean he he's having to do hard yeah, hard labor. Li- hard labor. I don't know how hard it is. It looked like he was doing a sewing thing the last time we saw some video of him but nonetheless um he you know has no liberty at all. You know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We talk about this every time. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Who knows what they offered, how they've offered it? Um, We just don't know.
0: Uh, No doubt about it. We'll continue to follow it. Marie Osborne, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we got to take a
2: break. Uh, More coming up
0: next, right here on JR Afternoon, including a discussion with a member of the Oakland County GOP who is calling for Christina Caramo to be removed. That's next on WJR. All right, welcome back. You know, last week I talked to Christina Caramo. She's the chair of the Michigan GOP. And if you missed that interview, thegreatvoice.com, you'll be able to listen to all of our interviews that we do uh, right there. It's convenient for you. And and she said that there was a, a bit of a, a remodel that was being done inside the GOP, and that takes time. It's not like you can just take over an organization And make the necessary changes you want uh, in the blink of an eye. It it takes some time. And part of that is you're not going to see as many dollars and cents come in. Or you're going to see a, a revamp of personnel. And it has created a bit of a firestorm inside the GOP here in the state of Michigan. Mainly because... Under Christina Karamo, the Michigan GOP has not been able to fundraise money. And there has been, it from my perspective from the outside looking in, a bit of pushback everywhere you go. So you're not able to fundraise money. And you're not able to necessarily even pay for your bills. You're trying to sell property that you don't technically own. And it it leaves... A, a real big question mark hanging over this party heading into the 2024 presidential election, which, you know, checks calendar is about 11 months away. And it doesn't really feel, she told me, that they will be able to be active, but it doesn't really feel like they'll be able to be active when they don't have the funds to be active. And that has prompted not only those, some inside the Michigan GOP, but those outside the state party, that are calling for Christina Caramo's removal. Now, there is an effort underway to recall her as chair, but now some bigger names are really getting behind this effort, including Vance Patrick, who's the chair of the Oakland County Republican Party. He says that the, the state party has been left in shambles with regard to fundraising and effective staff work. Michael Smatkey is the spokesperson for the Oakland County Republican Party and joins us. Michael, good to have you.
3: Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's actually Brian, but middle name's Michael.
0: Uh, Brian. All right, Brian, no problem. D- d- uh, apologies. All Talk good. to me a little bit about where this is coming from. Why is the Oakland County Republican Party m- making this, this step now, this step forward to in, in an effort in backing the potential ouster of Christina Caramo?
3: Well, I think it really comes down to the basics of not being able to raise any money, not accepting help uh, from people because she deems them the deep state. And I mean, our chairman, Vance Patrick, is the most grassroots guy I know. If he's part of the deep state, then I think we all are. So and just her inability to build any infrastructure. You know, again, we're 11 months out from a presidential election. Michigan is clearly a you know, part of President Trump or our eventual Republican nominee's path to the White House. We have a U.S. Senate uh, seat wide open, a uh, great slew of candidates on the Republican side. Um, and we have to have an operation that is ready uh, to be a turnkey field program, turnkey, get out the vote, and election integrity program uh, come next August. We have a very late primary in Michigan, mm-hmm. as Vance points out in his statement, um, that in, you know, really only a few weeks before early in absentee voting uh, will take off. Uh, but in between, you know, when we actually pick our nominee uh, for U.S. Senate, and so if you look at, you know, and I, I worked for the Michigan Republican Party for five years under three different chairs and oversaw, you know, helped oversee two different transitions between uh chairs. And you know, we've always been able to build this infrastructure, we've always been able to partner with the county parties, with the RNC, with the different national organizations, and you just don't see that partnership happening. Mm-hmm. In fact, you see uh, you know, the, they're trying to take away the autonomy of the county parties. And I think that's why, you know, one of the reasons that we were really compelled to speak up as a county party here in Oakland, uh, but also, you know, Macomb County mm-hmm. speaking out. And you're going to see more of these because, you know, again, they're trying they're trying to turn us into a franchise operation just to be able to fundraise a little. And so not having that infrastructure is really uh, going to kill us next year. And I'd be very concerned if I was a Republican candidate in Michigan right now, because, is the job of the party to build the car and the job of the candidate to drive it across the finish line. Right now, all of these candidates from U S Senate all the way down to, you know, our local board of commissioners are being asked to build the car while they're racing it down uh, the runway. And it just doesn't work that way.
0: Well, it's a tough spot to be in. You, you talked about the need for a, you know, well-oiled machine, if you will, uh, going off your car analogy, how far do you feel like the party is from being that well-oiled machine today? Well, I think it's
3: where we are today is extremely far from where we need to be. But also, this could be turned around uh, by taking a few simple steps, frankly. Being willing to reengage some of the donors that Christina was frankly, said she, she doesn't want to be part of the Michigan Republican Party. Being willing to build partnerships with the county parties instead of saying, oh, we don't want any part of what Oakland County is doing. When we had President Trump come to Oakland County for our Lincoln Day dinner back in June to raise a record amount of money, which we're now building infrastructure in Oakland County uh, to make up for what we don't have from the state party. But when we asked for uh, you know, the Michigan Republican Party, hey, can you put the event on your website Will you send out an email about it or a tweet? We couldn't get anything from them. Um, they wouldn't partner with us on the most basic level Um, You know, We're asking you to send out a tweet. That's really not that hard. Um, And so I think a few basic steps like that, and you could really start to turn the party around. And I think that's why we need new leadership. We need someone that has effectively led a party organization, um, helped build this infrastructure, and we need them to take charge, tell everyone, hey, you're welcome. We're a big tent. We're going to abide by our platform but we are going to empower the grassroots and we're going to build this infrastructure for our candidates to take across the finish line.
0: I want to talk personnel for, for just a moment because there seems to be a bit of a divide even in the ideology. Now, if you want to embrace the grassroots or you want to embrace more of the establishment, that's fine. Is, is there a way to bring everybody together? I mean, I, of course, I think the answer is yes, but what, what has been done to further that divide inside the Michigan GOP?
3: Well, I think, you know, so a great example is, you know, with the Mackinac Republican Leadership Conference, they took the list of conference attendees. And, you know, they they deny that it was them. But there was a list leaked that appears to have had a a ranking placed on it, uh, which many people said was from the MIGOP staff, came from their Google Drive account. um, And you were ranking people whether they were Patriot or whether they had concerning leanings. And that does not help the party unify. That is the party coming and saying, oh, well, you, you know, you've not been fully supportive of Karama or you didn't support her uh, in the first vote or first ballot at the convention last year. Uh, So you are concerning leanings, uh, you have concerning partnerships, and we don't want you to be part of the party. That's what it says. And that's a very, very bad message to be sending donors. I mean, there were donors on that list that were ranked. Um, and I know mm. several of them that were personally very furious about that. And so this idea that it, you know, Ronald Reagan said the person that I agree with only 80% of the time is not my enemy because of the 20% that I disagree with them. Christina Caramo's administration really seems to be, you have to be 100% on board with everything they do and any dissent, any questioning um, is seen as, oh, you're part of the deep state. You must be a Democrat plant. Um, I mean, I've been in Michigan Republican politics for 15 years. Uh, you know, My credentials are pretty unquestionable at this point. So we're the ones that many people are being called into question. Uh, and it's just really sad to see them furthering that. We're not, uh, I mean, Vance and I have remained quiet for the past several months. Sure. We gave Paramo we gave the best chance we could. Vance um, you know, said this morning uh, on WDET that you know they were friends. He's tried to be supportive. We've tried to give them every chance. I personally donated, yeah. and I secured donations for the, the Mackinac Conference. Um, we have tried to be successful. We haven't gone out on Twitter up until recently and started saying, hey, we well got then, to question this.
0: Well, then let me ask you this. i got one second left. Just yes or no. Is this party able to turn around with her, or is that why you need to move on? We've got to move on. Yeah, okay. Uh, Brian Smitke uh, with the Oakland County Republican Party, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Chris. Yep, you got it. Got to take a break. More next. All right. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. Eight hundred eight five nine zero WJR. If you're a Republican in the state, are you worried about the trajectory of the party as we head into a presidential election? And look, it's very easy to not be bothered by something like this, right? Um, because it's it's you're not. You, you're not in the inner workings of the party. But take take a, a broader, a little more broader look. It's the party that you donate to. It's the party that you give to. It's the party that you may align yourself with because you don't like the the offerings of another party or another politician. And so when you are sitting in that position... When you are taking the stance of, well, maybe I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's fair to, to say that the whole purpose of these parties is to win elections. And if you want to win elections, you have to have a functioning, a fully functioning, well-oiled machine. And it doesn't seem to me that the Republican Party is that now. Is that today here in the state of Michigan? So. Does that bother you going into the 2024 presidential election? That's one. Two, are you are you sure that Christina Karamo is the problem? Is, is that the issue that is stirring the drink inside the Michigan Republican Party? If, if Christina Karamo is the chair going into the presidential election or not, is the party going to be able to fundraise? Is the party better off without her? Is the party better off with her? I'm just gonna throw that out. Let you mull it over and have you weigh in. 800-859-0957. To me, it would make sense to move on. It would make sense to make a change because as we stand today, it's like it's like if you're fishing and you keep throwing your lure out there with a particular kind of bait and it's not you're not getting a bite. Well, maybe you should change your bait up. Maybe you, should, maybe you should change what you're doing. Go down the dock a little bit because you're not getting a bite here. And if things aren't progressing the way Republicans want them to, maybe you move down the dock. Maybe you change the bait. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Also, how about this? Um, Danielle, you used to work in the food industry. Did you ever encounter unruly customers, unruly pa uh, unruly uh, patrons? All the time. All the time? All the time. At least once a shift. Did it get did it get out of hand? Like were, was there ever was there ever police called or an assault oh. or anything like that?
4: <laughs> yeah, all the time. And actually, where I used to work, they used to have a security guard on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because it would get pretty bad.
0: Really? Mm -hmm. No kidding. Not kidding. All right. Well, then I bring you Exhibit A. A woman who threw a bowl of Chipotle in the face of a Chipotle worker has been sentenced to a month in jail. Good. Uh, Videos of Rosemary Hine berating a Chipotle worker on September 5th and then throwing the food in her face at close range went viral. Hayne is a 39-year-old mother of four. She pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor assault charge and received her sentence last week in Parma, Ohio. Now, what I didn't tell you is that there was another piece to this charge because Judge Timothy Gilligan gave her a choice. 90 days in jail or a 30-day sentence And 60 days of working at the restaurant. Wow. She chose 30 days in jail and 60 days of working at the restaurant.
4: Their hourly
0: wage is like $16, so I don't blame her. So now she's going to go work for Chipotle.
4: Part-time, full-time, what are we talking?
0: I believe it's part-time. Okay. Like 20-some hours a week. I think
4: that's the better deal, honestly.
0: Well, you're in jail for 60 less days, so yeah, that is a that is a bizarre punishment that a judge handed out. I don't know that I've ever seen that. I don't think I have either but I like it. So it's like a probation?
4: You know what it's like?
0: It's but like they have no jurisdiction over Chipotle.
4: I think that this judge is one of those people who thinks that everyone should work in the restaurant industry at least for a week.
0: Yeah, it's like walking your shoes, right? I
4: think he's one of those people. He probably worked in a restaurant. He knows how hard it is and said, you know what? This These are your choices here.
0: Okay, but let me ask you this. Because if you were to have experienced an altercation with a customer and then you know, a, a couple months goes by, and they end up working at your store. Do you feel comfortable? I mean, they're obviously a little bit of a loose cannon. Are you are you cool with them working at the same place where they assaulted one of your coworkers?
4: I'm okay with it. You, you would be okay with it. I think these people have like hot headed moments. I don't think they're always like hot I think yeah, something yeah, sure. sets them off, something in the day that has absolutely nothing to do with the restaurant, and they just take it out on you. You're you're. The food's taking longer than expected. I've had a really crappy day, and they take it out on you. It's just like a known thing. You
0: do know that happens. No, there's no doubt. I just think it's very funny that the judge is saying, "Well, you
1: got to go work." But if they came in and they yelled at you, not just somebody in that worked the way they yelled at you, and then a month later, now you have to work with this. Yeah, like if you got got the Chipotle
0: thrown in your face,
4: can we can we say hot wings? Maybe if I got some hot wings thrown at me, whatever
0: it is, which has happened, it's fine. You have you've had a, a chicken wing thrown at you. I've had lots of things thrown at me. Wow!
1: But you then bite. you have to work with that person. Okay. You're not just in the room; they have to be with you.
4: I'm, well, I'm not going to be very nice to them.
0: <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Uh, all right, eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven, eight hundred eight five nine zero WJR. Let's go to Bob in Milford. What's up, Bob?
5: Oh, your your topic about the Republican Party. Yeah, I'm a dyed in the wall conservative, hardline conservative. I will not vote for Trump. He is breaking up the party. That's where it
0: starts. So and you story, think? Do you I, think Christina Caramo is just the byproduct of Donald Trump?
5: No, I, I I think she's a Trumpster, and that's why she's in there. Got it. And, and the pressure that that came from him.
0: So it's she the it's the trickle down party. from Donald Trump. You An think in your mind?
5: Destroying party. He doesn't know when to shut his mouth. He he's uh, he, he's a, he's just. I guess in my day we called him a funk. And he'll always be one. He can't help himself. Um, he's a narcissist. And until he's gone, the party will not survive. It's going to keep losing election after election.
0: Yeah, and I think Bob, this is where you get the counter argument. Well, you know, look at the policies, not the personality, right? If you can, if you can embrace the the policies, if you can embrace the ideology, if you can br- embrace what he did as president, and cast away all of the other stuff that is is trivial in this in the sense of your day to day life, that's where people say, well that's why Donald Trump is is the savior of the party, or that's why Donald Trump is the guiding light of the party. But I, I think there are plenty of people out there like you, Bob, that just say, no, it's Donald Trump, he's the issue, and we gotta move away from it. Thanks, Bob, appreciate you. Let's go to Tony in Southfield. What's up, Tony? Hey, what's
6: happening? Hey, now I'm a I know you ask for Republicans, but I'm a Democrat and I think conservatives. Okay. Now, I'm 59 years old, so I remember the original Republican Party. Mm -hmm. She is the worst thing that has happened to the Republican Party in this state. And, yes, she is a byproduct of Donald Trump, which is destroying the country. I believe this country needs a two-party system. The old Republican Party, as we knew it in the 80s, not this new party that's coming about that's
0: destroying the whole system of government. Yeah, you know, Tony. What's interesting? I mean, and the Democrats. I'm sure you've you've seen it too. I mean, they've gone through a bit of an identity crisis too. You know, there there is there is um, there are factions of these parties that make them le- less of a two party system than anything else. I mean, it, it feels like because of the ideology, because of the 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 polar opposites that we find ourselves on, and everything in between. It is very, it, it 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 is, these parties are less and less like themselves by the day, it seems. Yeah, but
6: the Republican Party now, I've never seen the recovery from it.
0: Yeah. All right, Tony, I appreciate you. Thank you. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. 957 Got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. Good to have you. You know, I, I talked a little bit earlier, it being the holiday season and I'm either one side of the, the, the pole or the other. Like I'm either full blown ready for Christmas or I'm, you know, just trying to get every Christmas gift till the last minute. It seems like it takes me. I'm on the ladder. I just can't get this thing going. It seems like, but, but I think that there's a certain element of being tunnel vision this time of year. Everybody is looking forward to the holidays. You got to make sure you're picking up everything for dinners or gifts for everybody, making sure your dogs are taken care of, whatever it is. Very one-track minded. And when it comes to the periphery, what can happen if you're out and about running around? You don't really think about that, but it's going to get slipperier. There's going to be ice. There's there's a certain level of maintenance that you need to make sure that you are doing to your home to ensure that other other people aren't getting hurt. And that's where... Uh, Tim Holland uh, joins us. He's Michigan slip and fall lawyer. It's good to see you. Hey, thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, it, it does seem like it's hustle bustle time here. Everybody's going from point A to point B. They don't think about, you know, I got to be careful where I'm walking here. I got to make sure that, that I'm avoiding the hazards uh, in my travels.
7: Yeah, I think it's extremely important with how much people are hustling around this time of year to, you know, uh, be very aware of uh, where you're walking, uh, how you're walking. Uh, certainly, the number of hazards increase significantly uh, with the type of weather that we have in Michigan. And, you know, it, it really is incumbent upon both property owners to do everything they can to make things safe for their uh, business uh, customers and their mm-hmm. uh, tenants and uh, for us residential owners to do everything we can to make things safe for our guests.
0: So there's been some changes in the law on that front, hasn't there?
7: Uh, very significant. Uh, this summer we had a Supreme Court uh, case come out called the al decision. And uh, we've got a lot of coverage on this on our website at uh, falllaw.com. But it's the al decision. And, and what that essentially did was in terms of responsibility for a fall, it It transitions uh who would decide those cases from really judges deciding them over to where where a jury mm-hmm. would be considering uh, what would be reasonable um, in terms of both the person walking that uh, encountered the hazard but also the premises owner that
0: uh, allowed the hazard to exist or in some cases created it so what what do property owners need to do? I mean obviously, I think it's well shovel make sure you have clear pathways but what, what are the responsibilities of property owners to make sure that, that those hazards aren't there?
7: Well, we really, at Michigan Slip and Fall Lawyers, we, we really try to help increase safety and safety awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think this is an important conversation to have, and we always appreciate the opportunity to have it because uh, myself... <laughs> And the other attorneys at the firm, uh, we attend uh, premises liability safety conferences. We attend uh, industry safety uh, conferences uh, as it relates to flooring, uh, snow remediation all over the country, mm-hmm. uh, because we take our responsibility of, of helping to, particularly Metro, helping to increase the level of safety for the general public out there. So, you know, the first thing that I, I tell people uh, is you want to at least have some kind of plan for safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a few people... It's what you said in the intro, uh, it doesn't cross their mind. They have no plan. So a a plan that involves, first of all, having appropriate insurance on your property, making sure that that, that your property is appropriately insured for Mm -hmm. whatever you've got going. Uh, If you are a landlord, uh, making sure that, that you've got the insurance to cover your tenants. Uh, if you have a, a snow remediation company, make sure that they're insured. Make sure that you've got cross insurance there. Uh, so, so really having a plan to, to have the right insurance coverage in place really is the first and most important thing you can do. The, the second thing is part of that plan is is have a plan to inspect the promises. Mm. Uh, so many people allow incredible hazards to exist on their, on their property. And, and, you know, we don't think that's necessarily because they're bad people. They're just not taking a look at it. Uh, oh, they're and, completely unaware or, or complacent. They see it every day. Sure. <laughs> and they know to walk around it. You sure. Know, if, if you've got a, if you've got an extremely dangerous condition on the premises, you know, uh, and you see it every day, you know, to walk around it, you know, where it is, you know, what's <laughs> going on. What, what ends up happening is, is that then, you know, your guests come on or your customers come on or your tenants come on the property and, and they don't know about it. Yeah. And let's say they're uh texting. Let's say they're talking on a cell phone. Let's say they're carrying uh boxes or packages that they purchased from you. They're not going to have that same level of awareness. And that's where again that that having that plan where uh to perform regular inspections and out hazards is just extremely uh important because that that's a big part of the battle is is just having an awareness
0: of the dangerous conditions on your property so that you can make them safe. Tim Holland with Michigan Slip and Fall Lawyer joins us. Um what are some of the most common slip and fall cases that you deal with?
7: Yes. Yeah, so certainly an extremely common one, and we're coming into that time of year, obviously, is the ice and snow slip and fall. Uh, we have, you know, it's just the kind of weather that we have in sure. Michigan. Uh, we we have uh, inclement weather. We've got ice that forms uh, quickly. We've got uh, waters going everywhere when it melts and then it refreezes we get significant levels of snow. So certainly uh, ice and snow slip and fall uh, is definitely one of the top ones that that we see. Another one is simply uh, a water on a light tile floor. Oh, really? Uh, People don't understand how really slippery that can be Uh, in the industry. When we're assessing these things, there's something called the uh, friction coefficient. And Mm. that's the amount of friction that your uh, shoe would have on the floor to, to keep you safe. And, And and one of the biggest ones that we see is some kind of a of a liquid on the floor or that it's a recurrent condition that puddles there quite often. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 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 people, you know, when it's clear liquid on a light colored floor, can't see it. You you can't see it. Um, And and so I'd say that's the second most frequent one that we see. And then and then the third one we just see is uh, something, uh, you know, like a pothole or a significant crack in a sidewalk Mm. uh, where where, frankly, they're so pervasive that it's difficult to avoid. Uh, even people that are absolutely paying every attention, um, they encounter it uh, and, and go down because it it, it's, it pervades the area. Uh, there's a lot of bad concrete over here in Metro.
0: And so when when somebody falls victim to something like this or they they they, you know, they get hurt, they get injured. When do you step in? Because you, you on you end up uh, oftentimes uh, representing these people that are that are injured. How do you how do you. Where, where does that process start for them? How do they know when they need to call you?
7: Well, certainly you have to be hurt fairly seriously to, mm-hmm. to engage our representation. Uh, we, you know, uh, I, in the last 60 days, I've talked to four families where people died in falls. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, so uh, you know, certainly we're seeing uh, incredible injuries. And, and uh, you know, some statistics that I always like to uh, uh, throw out are uh, falls are the leading cause of death in this country. Uh, falls, mm. uh, and and so certainly, uh, you know, if if you have a serious injury from a fall, um, and, and and the hazard that you encountered really was quite dangerous. Sure, uh, and and so that's really when when you've had a fall and uh, you're hurt quite badly, it's it's really when we get involved
0: and and making sure that that is fixed so that doesn't happen again, so that somebody else isn't hurt again. I think that's pretty important too. Tim Holland, uh, thank you so much. Appreciate the time as always. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up again soon because I think there's a lot here that we should be talking about, too.
7: You know, I've appreciated being here. And, again, you can uh, reach us for more
0: information, falllaw.com. You got it. Uh, Tim Holland, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks. All right. got to take a break. More coming up next. Get you caught up on w- some h- headlines making news today. All that and more as we continue right here on JR Afternoon. All right. Welcome back. Still lots to do today. Uh, there is a new poll out, by the way, that shows Donald Trump is leading in swing states, including Michigan. But what does that mean potentially for the other Republicans vying for that seat to run for president? We'll talk about that coming up at 318. But you've got Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu saying that the Israel-Hamas conflict is reaching the beginning of the end and also calling on Hamas soldiers to surrender. Netanyahu saying that the war remains in full swing but said Hamas soldiers are already starting to turn themselves in to Israeli troops by the dozens, while the IDF continues to remain focused on finding the leader of Hamas. Uh, Netanyahu saying yesterday that they lay down their weapons and surrender themselves to our historic or our heroic warriors. It will take more time. The war is in full swing. I say to the Hamas terrorists, it is over. Don't die for Sinwar. Surrender now. Meanwhile, clashes between the IDF and Hamas have intensified in Gaza. Yesterday, Israeli forces say they hit more than 250 targets in a 24-hour span. The IDF ordered residents in southern Gaza, particularly in the city of Kanyuns, the largest city in southern Gaza, to leave. And... This comes on the heels as the U.S. vetoed a U.N. security resolution that demanded an immediate truce in Gaza, Uh, the United States vetoing that, drawing some ire from lawmakers here in the United States and some countries abroad. Uh, As we talked about, the head of the Oakland County GOP, Vance Patrick, is calling for Christina Karamo, the the chair of the Michigan GOP, to be removed from her post 11 months before the presidential election. In a letter released this morning, Patrick urged the GOP State Committee to vote to oust Karamo and said that the, the state party had been left in shambles with regard to fundraising and effective staff work. We talked to Brian Smitkey, who's a spokesperson with the Oakland County GOP. If you missed that conversation Uh, Head on over to thegreatvoice.com. You also have Mark Fortin, who's the chair of the Macomb County GOP. And he also told the Detroit News that he continues to support the ouster of Christina Caramo, saying that she and her leadership team are out to destroy the party. That's a quote, saying that this cannot be ignorance. It cannot be lack of experience. Also, Harvard President Claudine Gay. Is still the head of the university at this hour, after the school's board of directors met Sunday amid calls for her removal for failing to effectively denounce threats of violence against Jewish students on Harvard's campus, and this agenda had not been made public, and this meeting was pre-planned well ahead of Gay's testimony to House uh, House lawmakers last week, but. After Penn's president, Liz McGill, resigned on Saturday, there was growing rumors that potentially Claudine Gay would be either ousted or stepped down. That has not happened yet. Now, the meeting yesterday, uh, there has been no indication from the board at Harvard on how that went, whether or not she would continue to keep her job. Nagay apologized last week after that testimony, after she said that she would could not say for certain that the calling of the genocide of Jews would violate Harvard's codes of conduct. She said it was context-dependent. Meanwhile, Yale University condemned the desecration of a menorah near its campus, after a Palestinian flag was placed on it over the weekend. Yale condemns in the strongest possible terms, the desecration of a menorah on the New Haven green during the religious holiday of Hanukkah. That's according to a Yale statement. The placement of a Palestinian flag on the menorah conveys a deeply anti-Semitic message to Jewish residents of New Haven, including members of the Yale community. The ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, is documented Over 2,000 anti-Semitic incidents since the Israel-Hamas war started back on October 7th. 400 of that 2,000, of those 2,000 incidents, took place on college campuses. And now campus leaders have really come under the microscope to make sure that the Jewish students and their Jewish population feel safe. Meanwhile, Detroit police are warning all residents to make sure their guns are secured after now a fourth child has died after getting their hands on a gun. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne joins us with those details.
2: And we've talked about this before, Chris. It was Saturday when a five-year-old whose parents were not home accidentally shot themselves and later died. Detroit Police Chief James White said the child was jumping up and down on a bed with the gun in his hands while then shot himself. He called the incident completely ridiculous, irresponsible, stupid, and unnecessary. Police said five children were left unsupervised at this apartment, an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, four-year-old, and then the five-year-old boy. One parent was visiting friends. Another was working on a car. Both parents are in custody and charges are pending right now with the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office. Uh, nothing, they said, made any sense in this case. And they said, well, they're going to do search warrants and have done search warrants on the apartment and will continue to investigate in the past. Community leaders and police have urged parents who have guns, parents and guardians to use gun locks. The Michigan house passed a safe storage bill this year, and that would require anyone with a minor in the home or the responsible expectation of having a minor in the home, uh, to store their firearms safely. The bill referred to the state, uh, Senate committee in April, And Chris, here's a list of some of the children this year who have uh, died due to gunshot Uh, shooting themselves with their parents' or guardian's gun. Four-year-old and an eight-year-old, they were both seriously injured in October in Detroit, separate incidents. The eight-year-old's father was charged with child abuse. A two-year-old boy died in October Mm. after shooting himself in a vehicle at a gas station. That was in Lansing. An eight-year-old boy died in August after shooting himself in the head. The boy's stepfather charged there. Six-year-old accidentally shot his 11-month-old brother in the face and shoulder in the June In June, that youngster survived. The mom and dad both facing charges. And then a two-year-old in Howell, um, the father was a Dearborn police officer. He died in June after an accidental shooting. The boy's mom charged with second-degree child
0: abuse. Yeah, incredibly sad. These numbers are just, just way too young.
2: And and how many times have we heard uh, mm. Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy talk about yep. this? She has no patience for this. Nope. As neither does the police chief. So they're just saying, please, please, please use common sense. Yeah. Uh,
0: incredibly sad. Marie Osborne, thank you very much.
2: Thank you. All
0: right. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. We have a couple calls on the line. Want to squeeze one in? Let's go to Barbara in Farmington. Hey, Barbara.
8: Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Boy, oh boy, a lot since I called, huh?
0: Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. We we, we
8: <laughs> Hey, that's okay. We got a pack show. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm listening anyway, which is always a good thing if you have a pack show. But first of all, the customer's always right. I worked in the restaurant business for an awful long time and no matter what kind of thing you go through, the customer's always right. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, um anyhow, um, the, the original reason for calling, it, it, the Republican Party has, out, has survived. They survived Nixon when everybody thought that we were the most divided then.
6: Mm-hmm.
8: And the, the Republican Party of the Lincoln era survived when the country was the most divided then. And so we will survive whatever division we sure. think is going on now. My reason for calling, though, is that I think the Republican Party gets, weakens itself from within by caring about social issues. The Democratic Party has always been led by the social issues traditionally. Sure. And the Republican Party has always been the fiscal party. So it depends on how you want to use your money, if you're going to donate or if you're going to have the government take it. But we all we all agree that all these things need to be taken care of, but how are you going to go about it? Yeah. So I learned that I actually am more of a libertarian. Mm. So if more Republicans realize if you don't care about the social issues as much because we're ensconced in all of it anymore – then um, maybe what we are is just fiscal fiscal Republicans, and maybe there's another name for that. But the problem with that also is the social issues with social media are so prevalent. It's so difficult. Like you said earlier, which I totally agree with, when you look at Trump and you see his policies, I didn't vote for my best friend. I didn't vote for my brother to be in there. Right. Right. it's it's the the work that gets done. Yeah, and
0: like, I think that's the problem in a lot of cases is people want to align themselves and in reality, I think most voters are they vote based on individual issues. And then at the end of the day, they compile and say, "Well, okay, here's what's most important to me, A or B, um I align most with this person. So this is where my vote's going." I just to me, these parties are responsible for winning elections. They're responsible for for raising money. And the Michigan GOP hasn't done a whole lot of that yet. I'm not saying the Republican Party is going anywhere. I think you're right, Barbara. They will continue to to survive. But at the end of the day, are the Republicans winning elections, and are they putting themselves in the best position to do so? I'm not so sure here in the state of Michigan that's the case. All right, got to take a break. More next. New poll showing Donald Trump with a big lead. We'll talk about it as we continue on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. There is a new poll out, a CNN poll. That shows Donald Trump leading Joe Biden in a couple of important battleground states, one being Georgia and the second being the state of Michigan. In Georgia, Biden won by a narrow majority in 2020, although now 49 percent say that Donald Trump. They would prefer Donald Trump over 44 percent of voters who say they would roll with Joe Biden. And again, this is all a hypothetical matchup. But if you look at these numbers, these would be your two candidates. In Michigan. Donald Trump has 50% of the support. Joe Biden has 40% of the support. 10% of people saying that they wouldn't support either candidate. When asked which way they would lean. It is an interesting look at where voters are today and there is a long way to go before next november but as you stand today pretty interesting look at where voters are i'll tell you one of the other groups that had a lot of these numbers just a couple of weeks ago was siena college research institute and dr don levy is the director there and he joins us doc good to have you back
6: Great to be with you. Thanks.
0: You know, these polls are, again, I don't know what they necessarily mean at the moment. They change, they morph, they evolve over time. But just like your poll a couple of weeks ago that showed that Donald Trump had a lead over Joe Biden in five battleground states, these numbers seem to be pretty consistent, it seems.
6: It does seem that way. Right now across the the key battleground states, and Michigan, of course, is one of them, Uh, Donald Trump is leading over Joe Biden in most, if not all of them. We had um, Trump over Biden by five points in Michigan a few weeks ago. Interestingly, you point out that many voters, Michigan being an example are really not happy with either candidate. In fact, we ran in our poll a generic Democrat against Trump and a generic Republican against Biden. And in both cases, the nameless, faceless Democrat or the nameless, faceless Republican did far better than when the candidate is named either Trump Mm. or Biden.
0: When it comes to this time of year in a a particular poll, you've been doing this a long time. What are the, the characteristics of voters? What are they looking for now, do you find, a lot of the time?
6: Well, you know, right now, this is, uh, every election is different. This one certainly, both these candidates, uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, are extremely well known to voters. There aren't a lot of surprises. People have made up their minds. Uh, So these polls are pretty predictive. Now, this is going to be a volatile year. We're going to see what happens with any number of different international events, the the domestic economy, of course, the, uh, the legal challenges that most especially Trump faces, but also to a somewhat degree Biden. So voters could change a little bit. But I'll remind you that when we polled in 2019, a year before the 2020 election, our poll in Michigan ended up being right on the number. So I wouldn't be quick to discount these polls. I think it shows what's the mood of the voters one year out, and for many voters, about forty percent on either side, they're unlikely to change a great deal. The election ends up most likely in twenty twenty four being decided by that about twenty percent who right now dislike both of these candidates.
0: I and, and I think there's a lot there's a lot of fairness there. What's what, what a lot of people will say is, well, the polls are always wrong, and and maybe some polls are, and maybe the way that Certain pollsters poll is wrong and it comes up with flawed results. And we've certainly seen that uh, even in recent uh, history, for example, the midterms. But there is something to be said about the the, taking the temperature of where the American voter is today. And even the Nikki Haley's of the world are beating out Joe Biden as we stand today. Ron DeSantis, I saw another poll just a, a week and a half ago or so. Uh, that that he uh, was topping Joe Biden as well. What does that tell you, do you think, about Joe Biden? Is there a certain characteristic that people are, are gravitating towards that would sway them a different way? Or is it just the other side bringing up valid points or valid arguments when it comes to certain political issues?
6: Well, Joe Biden's got a couple of very big problems that is going to be difficult for him to overcome. Number one is his age. In our most recent poll, 71% of voters across the six battleground states feel as though Joe Biden is simply too old uh, to get elected to be an effective president in the next term. Number two is the economy. Um, Overwhelmingly, 80% of voters in Michigan told us that they think the economy is no better than fair, if not poor. And they believe that Donald Trump would be a better steward of the economy than has Joe Biden been by about 20 points. Joe Biden has got to – he can't do anything about his age. He's not getting any younger with each uh, passing day. But he's got to um, do a more effective job of convincing Michiganders as well as all Americans that his stewardship of the economy is better. If he doesn't succeed in doing that, he's going to have a very hard time winning the election in 2024. You know,
0: you look at the support, the numbers of support that that voters – had maybe put on the back of Joe Biden in places like Michigan, in places like Georgia. I mean, this is why these are swing states. This is why these states can vary year to year, issue to issue. But the the amount of support in these states for Joe Biden has gone down, according to polls like yours and, and others. What is it do you feel that changes voters opinions more? Is it? Issues like the economy? Is it issues like inflation? Is it foreign policy issues like the, 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 the Hamas-Israel war that we're seeing, or the conflict between Russia and Ukraine? What, what is it specifically, do you think voters look at and pinpoint the most when it comes to, you know, whether or not they find their, their candidate is, is doing an adequate job or not? Well, when it's all
6: said and done, obviously, it's the sum total of all those things. When we ask voters, we ask them that exact question. We say, which set of issues? Is it economic issues like the cost of living, like inflation, like taxes? Or is it societal issues like uh, abortion, like threats to democracy, uh, like guns? Uh, Which one is more important to you? By about a two-to-one ratio among Michigan voters, they tell us it's the economic mm-hmm. issues that are more important to me than the societal one. So we see, for example, in a poll where in Michigan, by a two-to-one margin, uh, Michiganders tell us that they think abortion should be um, legal in almost or most cases, but yet the, within the same poll, you've got a two-to-one margin for abortion of uh, being legal, yet Joe Biden trails um, by five points. So abortion, guns, democracy, those are very important issues and very important to some. But economic issues seem to be trumping. And right now, um, you know, uh, despite the fact there are some numbers saying that the economy is doing well, many people, many people in Michigan simply don't feel that way. Uh, Unemployment may be low. Um, but right now, many Americans feel like the economy just isn't working for them. And when you have 80 of, mm-hmm. percent of Michiganders saying that, it's really difficult for the incumbent president to say, continue to follow me.
0: Dr. Don Levy with Siena College Research Institute. Thanks again for your time. We appreciate talking to you as always.
6: Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot.
0: All right. We'll talk again. 800 Zero WG, I'll tell you an area where the president is also lacking. That's next on JR Afternoon. All right, we had a couple of coals in the fire here. One, Christina Caramo, the current chair of the, G- the Michigan GOP, there is an effort underway to remove her from her position. And my question to you is, A, does it matter to you who the chair of the Michigan GOP is? Look, I, you guys are busy. You go to work. You got bills to pay. You got kids, grandkids, whatever it is. You don't spend your time wondering who the 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 chair of the Michigan GOP is. But if you're a Republican voter, or if you want Republicans to be elected, it may behoove you just to kind of keep an idea or, or 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 keep an eye on what's going on, because these positions are important in the sense that. They fundraise, they bring money in, and they help candidates get elected. Now, yes, have the last couple of elections been underwhelming for Republicans? You bet. And I think a lot of people would say, well, we don't need any help then. We need to be finding ways to raise more money. We need to be finding ways to improving our message. Then we can... Really, and, and and improving the quality of candidate, which I think we are seeing across the board in the state of Michigan, at least, going into 2024. So do you believe that there needs to be a change because there is a divide inside the party? Christina Karamo and her leadership team are having a very difficult time raising money. They want to sell assets that they don't even have control over because they don't have money. Or they would tell you that they don't need Certain, you know, particular real estate locales. Okay, whatever. Tomato, tomato. They don't have the money because they cannot garner enough donations from enough big name donors to really make a dent. So do you believe that there needs to be a change because there is an effort to do just that? Also, talked about this new poll where Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden, at least in the state of Michigan, by 10 percentage points. Donald Trump's getting 50 percent, Joe Biden getting 40 percent, and 10 percent of people say they don't want either of them. But here's where I think it's going to really hurt Joe Biden. And I have been beating this drum for quite some time. You know, one of the voting groups that really threw Biden over the top is young voters. Young voters came out for Biden in big numbers In 2020, to the tune of 57 percent of young voters voted for Joe Biden in Michigan, 56 percent of young voters voted for Joe Biden in Georgia. And those numbers are falling quickly to the tune of 29 percent of young voters saying they would vote for Joe Biden again in Michigan, 34 percent in Georgia. Those are significant drop offs. And I partly put a little bit this uh, put a little bit of this on young voters is they don't uh, I, I would imagine don't really know how the game is played. Now, if your number one concern is climate change and you don't want any new, you know, pipelines being built for oil, big, bad oil to be flowing through. Well, then you probably don't like the oil project that Joe Biden approved in Alaska or uh maybe if you're uh into social justice or equality and you believe human beings should be left alone maybe you don't like the fact that Joe Biden isn't beating the drum for a ceasefire in Gaza and Israel but th- this is the game that presidents need to play these are the fine lines that they need to walk and I'm and I think if I think particularly young voters maybe voters who are voting for the first time, second time, if they don't understand that, or they feel like their, their candidate betrayed them, well, they may move on completely or may they may sit it out, which could be just as bad. 800-859-0957, 0 Let's go out to Dave in Detroit. What's up, Dave?
5: Hey, uh, great subjects uh, today. I think, um, I think you're right about most voters couldn't care less who's running either one of these parties. I was a part of it for more than 12 years and got to see all the ins and outs of it. I'm not impressed with what I saw when I was there under so-called professional leadership. Hmm. Uh, the donor class never impressed me much. It was always about themselves and what benefits their business. They would just as easily vote, uh, you know, put their money behind Whitmer if they thought that that would benefit them. Sure. And in fact, that did happen this last cycle. Mm-hmm. But I think if they are going to oust this chairwoman, fine, so be it. It's up to the membership. But don't go backwards. I mean, people are hungry for change. We're seeing it all over the world. We're seeing it in countries where they were oppressed with all of these type of, you know, uh, leaders that were, you know, all about, like you said, climate change and pushing the social programs. But we're seeing changes happen. We're seeing new leaders come out. People want to be left alone. They want their freedom of speech. I mean, we saw that t- yesterday with Alex Jones getting reinstated on X. I mean, there's changes happening. So all I'm saying is with this subject, keep the change going. If you feel like the the, the new the candidate that's there now or excuse me, the chairwoman that's there now is just representing chaos, fine, get rid of it. But don't go backwards where all we're gonna do is hoist up the big money and make that the centerpiece of the party or or the or the sure. goal, right? And then just go back to the same old type of wishy-washy, spineless Republican candidates who might as well have been Democrats, because you know who they are. Bless their souls. Um, and, and just keep keep the people in the focus, the people in freedom and liberty, and, and remember what the goal is. It's it's about us. It's not about one particular group of people. It's about all of us. All right, Dave. And, and I think if they go forward, good for them.
0: All right, man. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Let's go to day, uh, Brad out in Rochester Hills. What's up, Brad?
5: Hey, Chris, great to be with you. Hey, I'm
3: excited that uh, uh, Trump is making some uh, significance uh, in the poll show-ups uh, at 50% while mm-hmm. Biden's still hanging at 40 while the 10% don't want either of them. I think it would be nice if, uh, 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 the way I talked to your call screen, if Trump got 60% while Biden got stuck at uh, 40%. Uh, we could probably uh, turn this uh, thing around for the Republican Party in Michigan, uh, not to mention the whole United States, <laughs> look, especially in uh, Georgia.
0: Yeah, I, look, I, I I think that this this election and again, it, it, we're a long way away, but I think this election right could come down to two things, Brad. And I want you to tell me if you think I'm crazy or not. This could come down to people not showing up to the polls, just opting out like. If it's up to if it's a Biden and and Trump election, there are going to be a significant amount of voters that are just going to sit out. That was not the case in 2020. So I think that is going to play a big role. The other one, I think that you if you look and if you compare and contrast again, it's I know it's difficult for people not to to look past their personalities. But if you look at the policies, if you look at where people were at you know 6 years ago as a, as compared to to 2 years ago are are right p- people are, i think people look at the way that joe biden operates people look at the, his policies and i don't i don't know that people want that i think those yeah, are going to be the two, either, the two the two narratives I want
3: to stick with the right stuff that the republican party stands for especially regardless of uh, who uh, succeeds uh, Christina Coromo. she she be out of her position as the head of the uh, revolted, uh,
6: in uh, convention here yeah. in the state, yeah.
0: All right, Brett. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you. I uh, got to take a break. More coming up next on JR. Afternoon. All right. Welcome back. Want to squeeze a couple of calls in here before we get to Kenny Brown. Uh, let's go to Tom and Warren. What's up, Tom?
5: Hey, good topic, sir. Thanks. I would uh, agree with the gentleman that you had on first last time around, and and uh, I think that. Christine may not be the problem, but I, I think that the uh, Grand Rapids influence on the Republican Party needs to be minimized. Uh, we can't let them choose the candidates anymore.
0: Well, let me ask you, so Tom, let me ask you this: How, because this is the balance, right? This is the the balance that they need to find. How do you how do you get the money that you need from these big name donors? And not allow them to have the influence that that I hear from people all the time. Well, the influence comes with the money. H- how do you balance that? Well, I
3: I think that uh, by taking DeVos money, you're probably alienating as many people as you uh, are going to influence. Uh, I guess that's just my impression of it. Sure.
0: All right, Tom. I appreciate the call. Thank you. I, I mean, I have a good day. Yeah, you do. You do the same, bud. I just. There's just a certain element, I think, for me that if you want to be impactful, if you want to be taken seriously, if you want to have a role in these elections, you need the dough. (laughs) You need the you need the money. And the Republicans just don't have much of it now. Um, You know who's going to need a lot of money (laughs) is going to be the the Dodgers. I K- KB joins us. Um, you mean there's
9: not going to be a grassroots? We need money. Grassroots don't work.
0: No, not in the Shohei Otani case. <laughs> no grassroots uh, fund, GoFundMe crowd Look, for uh, Otani. I know, and this is maybe a little bit nerdy. We don't have to go down this road heavily, but Shohei Otani uh, reports say that he is signing a seven hundred million dollar ten year deal. With the LA Dodgers, now this is a guy who is a complete unicorn. He is a high-level pitcher. He's got a high-level bat. Plays the outfield. I mean, he literally does everything on the baseball diamond, and he's getting a seven hundred million dollar deal. I, I look, money's money, and in in these cases of these these sports teams, I, a lot of it isn't real. But when you're approaching a billion dollars or a quarter of a billion or or three quarters of a billion dollars, I hope I hope you like drinking thirty seven dollar beers. Well, I heard something.
9: uh, Don't quote me on this, but I heard that um, they already have tickets up for the opener of the Dodgers game next year. And, what uh, are they? Three twenty-five is the lowest ticket I heard. So
0: you're talking about obstructed That's seats like behind sitting a at the top up yeah.
9: at three twenty-five. But look, the Dodgers have about five or six of these high-priced players. Not as high yes. as that, but it's just, again the baseball thing. Yankees and the Dodgers just sign all these players, that have these big payrolls, and most of the time, they don't win. So,
0: so. is this is this a, is this? I, I mean, the numbers haven't officially come out yet, right? No. So it's reports. So you just do the math. I'm no mathematician, but seven hundred. Over 10 years, 70, 70, mil a 70 year. million a year. But you said that you saw something. I heard it'll, something... Be like,
9: it'll be like one of those Bobby Bonilla deals, too, in adjusted value where you'll be getting paid 30 and 40 years down the line. Like Bobby Bonilla from a 1992 contract is still getting like a million or two million a right, year right. for the next 15 years. Right. It'll be one of those contracts, like in two thousand forty-five. He might be getting money.
0: I mean, it's pretty genius. So well, what does he do? Well,
9: after so much money, what do you, else you need? I mean, you can just keep it coming.
0: Look, I don't know. You know I don't just know. Just keep it coming. I don't know the difference between forty million and seventy million.
9: All I know is he's, it's a lot of money. He's had Tommy John surgery, so he's not going to pitch this year. He'll bat this year, and then next year he'll go back to pitching. But I mean, how long? How long can he last doing double duty? And then when you get him down to single duty, is he worth the contract? No, no. It's what makes him valuable. There you go. It's what makes him there unbelievable. Go. There you go. But like I said, uh, the economy's bad out there. So evidently they signed a seventy million dollar deals. I'll tell you the that economy. Because there's a lot of oh my goodness, the food line is going. Inflation is up. You that know.
0: that twenty seven million dollar deal that Miggy finally is off the books. Oh, puts this to shame. Wow, well, we got you. I'm glad you got a minute.
9: Edward Rodriguez ends up going to Arizona, right? Didn't uh-huh. he say he wasn't leaving the Tigers? And, 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 no, and um, he didn't no, he no, he said that. no. He said he wanted to stay on the East Coast with his family, yes. and that's why he wouldn't take it. And then he goes to signs with Arizona. Yeah. So evidently, the the migration from East Coast to Arizona is fine if you're paying them totally twenty million different. a year for five years. You know, he's such a phony man. The Tigers, when he went home with his little personal problems, they they kept him on the team, and he came back. He gave us. Nothing. Zero. As of, you know, he could have took the trade to the Dodgers. Yeah. They would have got some value back for Mm -hmm. him. They end up getting nothing. But And then after he he didn't go, didn't he say, oh, I love it here. We love it here. He loved it here long enough till the season ended. Yeah, he's like, you know, it is pretty cold. I got to go. That's why I have nothing to say for any player to get your money. Right. And anybody in management, if you can get out of giving them the money when they're not performing, Absolutely. get out. I have no problem either way.
0: Nope, I completely agree. Look, this is a business at the end of the day, and you this want your business. teams to win, you want your teams to do well, and you want to be in the be- best position to win those games. Lions did not look good this weekend. No. I. It's I, L.A. golf
9: showed up, like I told you. For I know. L.A. I golf. Mean, look, okay. L A. okay, here's golf. the deal.
0: L- let me just say this. Um, the offensive line is bad. Their offensive play calling has gotten worse over the last three, four weeks. Not creative at all. Not
9: creative at all. And
0: I don't know if it's a byproduct of the, the type of slide that Jared Goff is on or the type of line play that they're getting. But I mean, it was just—it was a mess. I thought the defense was like decent they yesterday. Decent. But don't
9: panic. Like, Are you wanting to panic? With you? No, the last no, no, no. night you're pacing the floor. No, but I
0: will say this: eat, they drinking have hot not,
9: chocolate at midnight.
0: They have not been playing well with something in it. They have not <laughs> been playing very good football over the course no. of the last. And they're not—they're
9: too young to play good football over a full season. They have to learn how to do these things. But they were still winning while they're doing it. They're yeah. losing one and winning
0: one, which is not good. Do you think that's why they didn't make any deals at the deadline?
9: They knew. They knew they weren't that, ready for was the a little Super bit Bowl. Smoke and mirrors. No, they just knew that. Where their team was and where they're yeah. going, like they're gonna have fifty to sixty million dollars in cap space after the year. Yeah, they got one of the youngest teams in the league. Now you build your team. But look,
0: I thought they were an eleven win team. If they go out and they go out get twelve, 11, well, 12 I think that's win okay. team,
9: exactly, and and could win a playoff game and give. I tell you right now, they could give Philly a run in a game. Well, I don't know about that. They wouldn't beat them. They could give them a run. Philly's defense is worse than the Lions.
0: I know, but their offense is legit.
9: I'm just saying they could give them a run. I ain't saying they could beat them. What so, do you got coming up? Well, we're going to talk to Barbara McQuade about the Trump uh, Supreme Court going to the Supreme Court. To see if he's yeah, up. With the books. We got uh, Alex alone. We'll ask Alex about this at four thirty-five. Listen to him, and uh, we do some other stuff.
0: Some other stuff. Yeah, okay, we got other good. stuff going on. All right,
9: big stuff. Michigan oh, Mids. We're going to talk about that. Michigan what? Michigan Mins. I want you to tune in for this.
0: What time is that at?
9: Uh, five fifteen.
0: Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of um? What? Well, I we call it a wrecking ball. Danielle, what do you call it with the the Saran wrap, the Saran wrap ball? Okay, she's not listening. This is tremendous. Uh, I think they, I think she calls it a Saran wrap ball. But uh, you put stuff in a, you, you just take like all these little presents or okay. toys or candy or whatever, and you wrap it up in Saran wrap. We're gonna do one for Christmas.
9: How big is the ball?
0: It's like, like a
9: like a medicine reti- ball.
0: It's like a beach ball, almost. Okay. And there's all kinds of crap in it. It's like a pinata. It's like a round pinata. Yeah, but you you put uh, like uh, oven mitts on, Mm -hmm. and you got to pull it off, and then you got to roll, and then somebody rolls a dice. Whenever they roll doubles, you got to stop pulling. And then whatever fell out okay, of it. Who UP. invented this? I don't know, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs>
9: it sounds fun, but it sounds exhausting, too. It is exhausting.
6: <laughs> it is
0: exhausting. I don't, yeah, it's just, uh, brought it to mind. It's All like right, something
9: Danielle made up.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe she did. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. We will see you tomorrow. Mitch Album and the crew coming up next right here on WJR. See you tomorrow. Same time, same place.